All right, Shabbat Shalom. Good morning. Let us let us begin. I want to begin by thanking our sponsor, our Tamatora sponsors, for the month of Cheshvan. To thank Mayor and Rachel Gold for dedicating all of the Shiurim and Joshos this month in memory of Yona Tzvi. Ben Yosef Chaim Elazar Hakohen Zichron Levracha. We thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Cheshvan, Noam, and Leah Efron, in honor of and celebration of the 98th birthday of Noam's grandfather, Yosef Herschel Ben Mordechai Halevi, and in great appreciation to the Dafyomi Shir. We thank our Week of Learning sponsors, Avron Sean and Judah Elbaum, for dedicating the Shi'urim and Joshos this week in, mem- in the Shusavarafua Shalima for Ami Ben Chaya. We hope that in the merit of our Tamatora, he together with Kol Choli Yisrael will have a complete time during Rafua. All of the Neshamas will have an Aliyah, the families in Nechama. And we'll say, let, with that, let us begin. So we, today's daf is Lamed Ches 38. We are picking up in Meretz Hashem. Oh, we have a lot to do today. Lamed Zayin, Lamed Beis 37b. We left off at the first wide line, Itmar. So we'll say, so remember again, we are dealing with the fascinating sugya of shared items. Remember again, the topic of the Mishnah was that your Gashmios takes on the Tchum of your person, right? So whatever tchum you have, your kalim, your utensils have the same exact tchum. So we actually, we left off, we did a little bit of a, in a rushed way yesterday with the case of the two people who, who borrow a talus together, right? And the idea being that one uses, one needs it for the Suda Shabbos night, one needs it for Shabbos day, they're going in different directions. So along that same theme, the Gemara says as follows, Itmar, here's the case. Reuven and Shimon purchase an animal or a barrel of whatever, doesn't make a difference, on Erev Yamtiv. They purchase it in partnership on Erev Yamtiv, and their intention is to split the... I'm sorry, I forgot one more sponsor, Baruch Meir and Rina Dubin, dedicating the shir today in, in honor of all of those who passed and did so wonderfully on their smichas chaver bechinas. Shkayachana, thank you for the sponsorship. Many of whom, Baruch Hashem, are, are here now. So the Gemara says as follows. So two people go ahead and purchased, purchased a, an animal or a barrel of, of whatever on Erev Yomtiv. They didn't split it on Erev Yomtiv, but they split it on Yomtiv itself. So we'll say, what's the aloha? Rav Amar Chavus Muteris. So Rav says the barrel is motor. Now what that means is that when they divide up the contents of the barrel, Reuven could take his contents, you know, in his trum. Shimon could take his contents in his trum. However, Ubehema Asura. But I will say, interesting enough, the behemoth's asr. Now, what does that mean, behema asura? Behema asura means that when they slaughter and split up the animal, the meat is limited to the area of the overlapping tchumen. Right? That, that, that's all. So the Rav says, when they split up the barrel, the barrel, the contents, each could take it to their own tchum. But when they slaughter the behema, the meat is limited to the overlapping tchum. Okay, Ushmul, Amr, Chavis, Nami, Asura. Shmuel says, no, both Bahima and Chavis are Asura. We'll say again, remember, Asura in this context means that unlike other items which take on the Tchum of the owner, these items could only be moved in the overlapping Tchum areas. So we'll say, let's analyze. Really, this is going to be a great sugya. My Kasava Rav. So we'll say, we're focused right now a bit more on Rav. What does Rav hold? So we'll say, so remember again, the Gemara presupposes that this automatically is a Brera question. Because remember again, you have two people who bought something in partnership, Erev Yantiv. They don't divide it up until Yantiv itself. 
So bepashtos, this is a Breira issue. If you hold Breira, yesh Breira, then what? Then it turns out that the split, the division, is retroactively chal as of when? As of when? Ered yantiv. If that's the case, then everybody's stuff should take on their tchum. If you hold in Breira, there is no retroactive clarification. That means the division effectively happened on yantiv. Well, if the division happened on yantiv, the problem is tchum is established when? When? at the onset of Yom so the overlapping Tchumen makes sense. So the Gemara says, I don't understand Rav's position. If Rav holds that there is Breira, see, even when they slaughter and split up the animal, each partner's meat should take on his Tchum. And if Rav holds that there's no Breira, no retroactive clarification, even the contents of the barrel should be usr. And once again, usr meaning what? Meaning what? Limited to the area of overlapping tchumen. To which the Gemara says, it's interesting, the Olam Kasavar, yesh breira. Rav holds, yesh breira. Right, that's what Rav holds. Rav subscribes to the concept of retroactive clarification. Aye, if that's the case, then when Reuven and Shimon slaughter their jointly owned animal on Yom Tevrabose, what should happen? What should happen? Each partner's meat should take on their own tchum. So we'll say this is very interesting. A behema is different because since a behema is one intact living organism and each part derives, we'll call it nourishment from the other, the two tchumen themselves are interwoven. Now look at Rashi for just a moment. This is very interesting. Rashi says, the Olam Kasavar Yesh Breira. Rashi says, Rashi says, Hilchach Chavis Muteres. So the problem with the behema is it was alive ben When the animal is alive, all the parts of the animal derive nourishment from each other. Therefore, this is fascinating. Essentially, what the Gemara is suggesting is that Rav holds. He holds a brera. He holds a brera. But he holds that by an animal, you can't really say Breira. Why? Because all of the parts are inherently intertwined. Since it's one living organism, all of the parts are intertwined, and therefore you can't say Breira. See, what's interesting is as follows. Imagine you have, imagine you have a barrel of wine. So remember again, Reuven and Shimon buy the barrel of wine together. They split it on Yom Tiv. Yesh Breira will say, when Reuven gets his part, what's the Tchum of his part? What's the Tchum of his part? His Tchum. Right, because retroactively it's clarified that this was really my portion as of Erev Yandiv. Why does that work, says Rav? Because the two parts of the wine do not require each other for existence. There is no interdependency between them. Rav, however, will say by an animal, because there is an interdependency by the parts, therefore by definition it's hard to say that Breira works to clarify that this was my portion from the beginning. Because this is my portion from the beginning means this is my portion totally fundamentally and wholly independent of the other. But you can't say that by a living organism. Therefore, Rav will say that when you split up the behema, the behema is limited to the area of overlapping Tchumen. But ultimately, but ultimately the barrel, the wine, the content, or whatever, the content of the barrel, assume the individual Tchumen of each other. Amrili Rav Khan or Rav Asi Rav, so interestingly enough, Rav, Rav Khan Ravasi said, Rav, so I don't understand. So for Muktza, you're not worried about. In other words, they both say, there's another piece. The other piece ultimately is that because they know about this partnership, right? They bought the animal, 
ultimately Erev Yomtiv, that means each person, each partner withdraws, so to speak, from the chilek of the other. Look at Rashi. Second wide line. So interestingly enough, the Gemara just says, each partner literally withdrew from the portion of the other. They knew on Erev Yomtiv what each one was going to have. So you're, worried, you're not worried about, I'm sorry, you're worried, you're not worried about Muktzah, but you're worried about Tchumen, Shasek Rav. So Rav was quiet. So my Haviyalah, so we'll say, bottom line, what's the halacha? What's the halacha? So we'll say, so here's what happened. Here's what happened. Is we talk about this case of partners who jointly, who buy, who buy something jointly on Erev Yomtiv, but they're not dividing it. So we'll say, the easy way to sidestep this whole discussion is how, is how? Divide up everything when? Erev Yomtiv. Okay, so, but they're not doing that. So they're dividing it up Yomtiv. So the Shaila is, this is an interesting case, because already on Erev Yomtiv, I know that 50% of this is mine, and 50% of this is Ruvain's. I, I know that. Just the actual physical Chalukah is not taking place until Shabbos. So the Shaila now is, or Yomtiv, I should say, when we divide it up on Yomtiv, what's the, what's the Tchum of our respective portions? So essentially, Leaving aside the distinction between animals and barrels, let's 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 shelf that for now. But now, essentially, what we're, de- what we're deciding is this is fundamentally rooted in yesh breira or ein breira, which I both say is a shas machlokes. Do we subscribe to the concept of retroactive clarification yesh breira, or do we reject it? So the Gemara says, "My havi Allah." By the way, what is the halacha with yesh breira or ein breira? Because obviously that will impact this particular discussion. Again, like I said, leaving aside the distinction between the parts of the animal interdependent of each other, we'll leave, we'll leave that on the side for now. My Haviyala, we'll say, here we go. Very exciting. Rabbi Oshia says, we do subscribe to the concept of retroactive clarification, Breira. Rabbi Yochanan says, no, Breira. I have Rabbi Oshia, Yesh Breira. Is that true? That Rabbi holds of the concept of Brera, is that actually true? Vahatnan, we learned, Hames Bebayis, Velop Sachem Hari. We've seen this case many times. Isn't this the exciting part of the daf? That, that when you see a case, when you see a case like, okay, I, see, I might not understand all the intricacies of it, but Lamaisa, it's so wonderful. You know what it's like? It's like, you know, sometimes you see someone who you've known for a long time, but it's one of those situations where you're not sure of their name, right? So it's like, I have such a warm feeling towards you because we know each other. I'm not sure of your name, but I know that we know each other. Sometimes you see cases in Shas and like, we know each other. Okay, I don't know exactly everybody. But again, there's such a, there's such a beautiful, there's such a beautiful warm feeling in the familiarity of it. So the Gemara says as follows, but now we're going to learn the name. We'll say, if you have a corpse in a home and there are many entrances in the home, Remember again, we've seen this case many times. Namely, when you have a corpse in a home, technically speaking, anything under the doorways right, could contract ritual tumah. So therefore, again, especially in this case where you don't know which, which doorway you're going to use to extract the mace, 
everything under the doorways becomes Tameim. But once one of the doorways is open and it becomes clear that that is the doorway through which the mace is going to be transported, that particular doorway, when we say the doorway, we mean the contents under that doorway will be Tameim and every other doorway and its contents is Tahar. Once you have kavana, chashav means you didn't even do anything. You just had intention to go ahead and take it out of one of the entranceways or even out of a window that has four by four tfachim. Matzelas alapsachim. Ultimately, that saves all of the other entranceways slash exits from Tumah. Beishamay, Omer Beishamay says, Vuhu shechashav alav od ad shelo yamos hamez. Beishamay says, yes, that's true. But that's only if you had in mind which entrance you're going to use or exit you're going to use when? Before the person died. Before the person died. Basila says, no, even if you only have in mind which exit you're going to use once the person died, that also saves all of the other exits from Toma. And Abba said, the Gemara says, now, Bepashtos, what's the Machlokis Beishamai Basila? Yesh Breira. Ain Breira. Beishamai says, Ain Breira. Therefore, once you decide, that'll have impact going forward. Beishamai will say, Beishila will say, Yesh Breira. And therefore, ultimately, again, that has an impact even, even retroactively. Raboshia is on record as saying that Kavana to take the mace out of a particular entrance or exit, I keep saying entrance, exit, only works to go ahead and purify the other exits from this point forward. However, doesn't work retroactively. So we'll say, here you have Raboshia on record, essentially saying what? Embrera. Embrera. That contradicts what we just said before, because before we said, Raboshia says, Yeshbrera, to which the Gemara says, you're right, Epoch, Raboshia, Omer, Embrera, Rabbi Yochan, Omer, Yeshbrera. You're right, you're right, you got to switch things around a little bit. Raboshia is the one who said, Embrera, Rabbi Yochan said, Yeshbrera. Good, beautiful, that worked, except now we have another problem. Umi Isle, Rabbi Yochan, Brera, does Rabbi Yochanan subscribe to the concept of Brera? Does he actually agree to the concept of Brera? But I'll say, watch this case. This is fascinating. From Rabbi Asi, I'm Rabbi Yochanan, this is fascinating. Rabbi Yochanan says as follows. Rabbi Yochanan says as follows. That halacha when brothers divide up an estate, right? Yaakov dies, Yaakov dies. Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda divide up the estate. Rabbi say there are two different ways of looking at their relationship to the estate. Watch this. If you hold yesh breira, then it turns out that what? Turns out that what? That every, the portion that the, each brother gets is what? Is what? The portion the father wanted them to have. If you hold ein breira, effectively they have a relationship of purchasers from one another. Because well, say if you hold ein breira, that means when the father dies, every brother owns what? Every brother owns what? A particle of everything. A particle of everything. And essentially what they have to do is they have to buy each other out from their respective portions. Now you're thinking to yourself, okay, who cares? Like, bottom line is the same. At the end of the day, everybody gets their particular portion. They might even get the same amounts. Where does it come up, Rabosai? Yovel. Because what happens again by real estate transactions by Yovel? 
they revert back to their original owners. If you hold yesh brira, so it turns out when they divide up the estate, every brother gets what he was initially destined to get, and there's no overlapping ownership interests, nothing goes back by Yovel. If you hold, however, that they are purchasers, essentially in the estate, in other words, they're purchasing, they're buying out each other, well, if it's a purchase and it's real estate, then those portions, technically speaking, go back into the pot on Yovel. Incredible. So the Gemara says as follows. Therefore, Rabbi Yochanan says, brothers who divide up an estate essentially purchase from each other. And it has to, and they essentially have to return their respective portions by Yovel. So we'll say, what does that show? Rabbi Yochanan doesn't hold of Breira. You just said before, Rabbi Yochanan holds of Breira. Rabbi Yochanan does hold of Breira. Rabbi Yochanan Breira, Bedar Aisa, Avabu Dirabanan Isle Breira. Oh, maybe you'll say, okay, Rabbi Yochanan doesn't hold of Breira by Daraisas. So Yerusha, Yerusha could go ahead and be a, a Daraisa, or I should say, Yovel is a Daraisa. Ultimately, says Rabbi Yochanan doesn't hold of Daraisas, but by Dirabanans, but by Dirabanans, ultimately, again, he will go ahead and hold of, uh, of Breira. So we'll say, just so, to be clear, the Daraisa in this case is Yovel, which is why Rabbi Yochanan would say that the brothers' portions go back into the collective pot or return to each other on Yovel. But by Dirabanans, what's the Dirabanan in this case? We are presupposing that Tchumin, so in the Tchum case, in the Tchum case, Reuven and Shimon bought a barrel of wine together in Erev Yamtiv. Don't end up dividing it until Yamtiv. Yesh Breira, each partner's portion has his respective Tchum. So maybe we could say it like that. You could hold a Breira, but you only hold a Breira in Dirabanans and not Oraisa. Very fascinating. So the Gemara says, Umi Isle, is that true? Is that actually true? Vatani Ayo, Rabbi Huda Omer, Rabbi Huda holds that you can't simultaneously stipulate on two things at once. We'll say now what this is talking about over here is Erev Tchumen, right? You want to make your, you, well, let's hear, here we go. We'll say we've had this case. One, another one of these Shas cases we've seen. I want to make an Erev Tchumen. There's a Skalan residence coming. Right, and I want to go hear him. I want to go hear him. So, but I don't know which direction he's coming from. So I can make two Eruvin. I can make two Eruvin, one to the east, one to the west. And I could say, you know, whichever direction he comes from, that's the one I want to activate. What can't I do? What can't I do? I can't, let's say there are two scholars in residence coming, one from the east, one from the west. But I don't know. I don't know who I want to hear yet. I can't make two Eruvin. I can't make, two, I can't make, that, that, that I can't do. So I can, so the Gemara says, top of When we asked, Why can't you go ahead and make two Eruvin de'in Breira? Because Rebbe say ultimately, again, we don't subscribe to the concept of Breira. I, one second. So we'll say, but one second. Don't both of these cases rely on Breira? In other words, say, either case. Even where it's one Talmud Chacham, but I'm just not sure which direction he's coming from, east or west. So what do I do, Erev Shabbos? I make an Erev to the east, I make an Erev to the west. And what do I say when I wake up in the morning and I find out where he is? That should be the Erev. That, is, isn't that Breira? Isn't that Breira also? To which the Gemara says, no, no, Rabbi Yochanan, Ukvar Ba Chacham. Rabbi Yochanan says, no, no, no. The case is where the Talmud Chacham already came to town. In other words, already before Ben Hashemosh's Erev Shabbos, he was already in town. So we'll say, what's happening over here? What's missing? What's my knowledge? In other words, I don't know. The Metzius is already in effect. 
So therefore, again, I can make an Erev to the East, an Erev to the West, already, and already by Ben Hashmashas, on Erev Shabbos, the Erev has already taken hold. It's just, I don't, I don't, I don't know. The Erev works, I don't know. So we'll say that does not rely on the concept of Brera. As opposed to going in and saying, you know, you know, Rabbi A is coming from the East, Rabbi B is coming from the West. I don't know who I want to see. So let both Eruvim go ahead and be there. I'll decide tomorrow morning which one I want to go to. That doesn't work because that's reliant on Brera. So what do you see over here? You see over here that Rabbi Yochanan doesn't hold of Brera. Even what? Even what? Even by a Drabanon. Because we're, again, presupposing that Tchumen are Drabanon. What a mess. What a mess. Alma, Leslie, Rabbi Yochanan, Breira. So rather, Rabbi, see, you see that Rabbi Yochanan does not hold the Breira. So I said, watch this. Remember, how did we get into this whole difficulty of Rabbi Yochanan holding Breira? Because what did we do? Remember, what was it? We flipped Raboshia. Right? Remember, again, when we started the Sugya, we said Raboshia holds of Breira. Rabbi Yochanan does not. Then we had the contradiction from the Brisa about taking out the mace with Raboshia. So we flipped Raboshia. No, Raboshia must mean Raboshia really holds. Ein Breira, and Rabbi Yochanan holds Yesh Breira. Now we've seen Rabbi Yochanan doesn't hold the Breira. So ultimately, again, we're going to go back. We're going to go back. Let's, let's restore to what we had. Let's take back. Rabosha is the one who holds Yesh Breira, and Rabbi Yochanan holds there is no Breira. I so what do you do with the case about the mace? Watch this. Don't switch around anything. Breira midaraisa avabderabanan islay. Shabbos say interestingly enough, the Gemara goes back, undoes the flip, and says in reality it's not a contradiction. Raboshia holds a breira, but he only holds a breira when by drabanans, not by deoraisas, and therefore halacha lemaisa, and therefore halacha lemaisa, Raboshia will hold in the case of Tumas Mace, That's a deoraisa. That's a daraisa. Therefore, he does not subscribe to the concept of Breira. But ultimately, when it comes to Tchumen, right, when it comes to going ahead and dividing up shared produce, shared, shared product on Yom Tiv, we can hold of Breira, and therefore, retroactively, each partner received his share that was really his on Erev Yom Tiv, and therefore, each partner's produce will have that respective partner's Tchum. But say an incredible idea. I, I, it's interesting. I don't remember coming across this. You know, we talk about Breira all the time, but this distinction between Breira in a Daorite, no Breira in a Daoraisa, Yesh Breira in a Darabanon, quite fascinating. Good. Darash Marzutra, Halacha Karoshia. Marzutra said, Halacha that we subscribe to Breira in Darabanons, but don't describe to Breira in Daoraisas. Amar Shmuel. Good. So we'll say Amar Shmuel. Shor Shalpatam, Hareu Karagali Kadam. So let's say now back to some of these other cases. This is fascinating. Shor Shalpatam, we'll say Patam is a person who fattens up animals. So what's the Pshat with this? Rashi says, Shor Shalpatam, it's the last, uh, it's the last short line in Rashi. Shemafatim Shvarmun Kadam. We'll say that Patam is a guy who fattens up oxen to sell them. So what's the halacha? What's the Kahori Karakle call Adam? Ultimately, again, that shore, so we'll say if you were to purchase that animal on Yamtiv. So remember again, normally we were saying that we'll say, what happens if you we we well, before we saw this, if you purchased an animal on Yamtiv, what we assume, what's the tchum of the animal? What's the tchum of the animal? The owners, right? That, that's because kind of that's the model that the Mishnah created for us. The Gemara is giving us some interesting exceptions to that rule. So if you purchase an animal from the fattener 
on uh, on on Yamtiv. So ultimately, again, that animal takes on the trum of the purchaser. Take a look at Rashi. Hareu karagli kolav. The first wide line. Afilu ben Even if someone from out of the city came to purchase an ox from from the fattener. This is incredible. See, essentially, what does the fattener do with his oxen? Probably a better name than fattener, but, right? What does the fattener do with his oxen? What does he do? He sells them. So therefore, the Gemara says something absolutely amazing. He knows he's going to sell his ox, especially on Yamtiv. Right? On Yamtiv, you know, people, people want meat. Right? There's a mitzvah. So ultimately, again, because the fattener knows that he's going to sell, he has in mind that the trum of this animal should be the purchaser's trum. Now, what's the dramatic chiddush in that? Even though what? He has no idea who this person is going to be. But, but it, it's, the nat- it's the nature of the mitzvah. The nature of the Matthias is that Fatner says, I'm the owner now, but I know I'm not going to be the owner on Yamtiv. So therefore, it takes on, it takes on the trum of the purchaser. Quite incredible. Shorshel Roa, both say, what about the ox of a shepherd? Ultimately, again, that, that ox takes on the trum of the townspeople. Now, say, now what does that mean? Take a look at Rashi. Listen to this. The shepherd case is the following. It's a guy who raises his own flock, but sometimes he sells to townspeople, but he never sells to people out of town. Right? He stays here from out of towners, right? So I'll say, so ultimately he only sells to people in town. So what's, what's the status of that, of that animal? So Rashi says, Essentially, that animal has the trum of that city, of the residents of that city. Now, which means is it has 2,000 amas in any particular direction. I will say it's the same halacha, that since the roa knows that if he sells, he's going to sell to someone local, Therefore, the animal takes on the local trum. Quite amazing. This was says, remember again, the halacha was, Mishnah said, that if you lend your friend a utensil on Erev Yamtiv, what's the halacha? The utensil takes on the trum of the borrower. To which the Gemara says, Shita. Isn't that obvious? In other words, if the utensil was in the domain of the borrower on Erev Yamtiv, so of course it takes on his trum, to which the Gemara says, Oh, no, no, what's the case of Osai? This is a case of where the object, interestingly enough, Ruvain made the arrangement to borrow with Shimon on Erev Yamtiv, but Ruvain didn't actually take the Kli, borrow the Kli until when? Until Yamtiv itself. You might have thought that at the end of the day, since Ruvain doesn't actually physically have possession of the utensil on Erev Yamtiv, therefore, maybe the utensil takes, keeps, or retains the trum of its owner. Kamash Malon, no. Kamash Malon, since ultimately, again, Ruvain knows that he's going to borrow it from Shimon. Shimon knows that he's going to borrow it from Ruvain. It takes on the borrower's trum, even though it doesn't come to the possession of the borrower until Yom Tiv itself. If you borrow a utensil from your friend on Erev Yom Tiv, even though you didn't give it to him. So we'll say, essentially, the way the Gemara is setting up this case, the case of what the Gemara calls, means what? I arrange to borrow a cleave from Ruvain on Erev Yom Tiv. 
But when do I actually borrow it? When do I actually take it? On Yom Tiv itself. The Chiddush, therefore, is since I know that I'm going to borrow it, and Reuven, the owner of the Kli, knows that I'm going to borrow it, Halacha Lemaisa, it takes on my, the borrower's, Tchum. And the Chiddush is, Even though the owner did not give it to the borrower on Erev Yom Tiv, it takes on the tchum ultimately of the borrower. Incredible. Next case, Rabbosai. What's the next case? If I borrow something, Rabbosai, let's say I had no conversations with Ruvain prior to Yamtiv. I borrow something from Ruvain on Yamtiv itself. What's the halacha? So the object takes on the tchum of, of the lender. Right? Of the lender. So the Gemara says, of Amashil, Sobshita, isn't that obvious? Botsvicha, listen to this. Deragil Vishalmine. I will say, what's the case? <laughs> this, is, this is interesting. The case is where this guy always borrows stuff from me. Right? Ruben always borrows stuff from me. Mao de Tema, what would you have thought? Birshuse Kamokim La. So I will say, if somebody always borrows something from me, every, Every yamtiv, every yamtiv, he comes over and he borrows something from me. I used to have a joy this when he used to have a neighbor a long time ago. He used to have a neighbor who every every he he didn't drink wine. He didn't difficult to understand by itself, right? Then he didn't drink wine, but every yamtiv he used to come over to borrow a corkscrew. Every single yamtiv, his family would come in every single. Yomtiv. Every meal will be about seven minutes into the suda, and this is every suda, right? Every suda. Kabar korkscrew, kabar korkscrew, kabar korkscrew. So every yomtiv. I, I and I, I offer. So you could keep it. You could keep. We have a few. No, no, no. I don't need it. Like you don't need it. You come here every single meal, every single day of yomtiv. Yes, you need it. I need it. I need it. I need you to take it. So I was like, so it just the Givara says, what's the case? The case over here is, let's say there's a guy who always borrows something from you. He always borrows something from you. So what the Gemara says, I might have thought that since I know he's going to borrow it, essentially on Erev I already put it in his Rishos. Right? In other words, I already, I, I know he's coming over. So I, I put it on the side for you. It's yours. So maybe that endows it with the borrower's tchum. Even though the borrower didn't come to me on Erev Yamtiv, since I know he's going to come, maybe that gives it his tchum. Kamash Malan, Meymar Amar, Dilma Mashkich Inish Achrina, Va'azal Vishamine. So we'll say Kamash Malan, we don't say that because the lender could say, the owner could say, maybe this guy will find someone else to borrow from. So we'll say, so the Chiddush over here is, so again, the simple case is, if you borrow something on Yamtiv, the object retains the owner, the, the tchum of its owner. The chiddush is, even if it's in a habitual situation, where the same person, the same borrower, is always borrowing from the same lender, you might have thought that therefore the lender effectively kind of transfers it over to Magabe Tchum on Erev Yamtiv. Kamash Malan, no, Kamash Malan, that the owner thinks to himself, okay, I understand he's always been borrowing from the same Thing, the same number of years, whatever it is, but maybe this time I'll find someone, someone, something different. And therefore, if there's no arrangement made on Erev Yamtiv, the object has the tchum of the owner. And therefore, when the borrower ends up borrowing it on Yamtiv, remember again, the borrower is limited with this object to the tchum of the owner. Incredible. So now we're going to get into this sugya. So remember again, the Mishnah said, if a woman borrowed, a woman is making bread, and let's say she went ahead and she borrowed mayim umelach. 
She borrowed water and salt. So what's the halacha? The Mishnah said, Hare'elu kiragle shtehen. Ultimately, this is very interesting, the dough will be limited to the shared tchum. So we'll say this dough essentially is looked at as an, a partnership object, right? Because again, we'll call, you know, Rachel owns the water and the salt, and Leah owns the flour and whatever else, right? So therefore, again, it's a partnership object. Because it's a partnership object, whatever hap- what happens to partnership items, ultimately, again, they're limited to the overlapping tchum areas of the two partners. So that's how the Gemara describes it. Both say, it's an incredible, incredible ma'isa. Kisalak Rabbi Abba. When Rabbi Abba went to Eretz Yisrael, Rashi says, Kisalak Rabbi Abba, Kisharatzalalos, when he was thinking about going to Eretz Yisrael, O Kishahaya Baderach, or when he was actually traveling to Eretz Yisrael, Amr Tfilazu. He said the following Tfila. I will say, what was his Tfila? This is beautiful. Yehei, well, we'll see, interesting. Yehei Rava, which should be your will, De'ema Milsa de Tiskabel. Let me say something in the base Medrash that the other Tamidi Chachamim will accept. Now, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, Ema Milsa de Shmaisa. So let me say over Halacha, Titiskabel, Lechach Mehamakom Shalo Avosh. So I will say, Rabbi Abba was davening as he was going from Babel to Eretz Yisrael. When I come to Eretz Yisrael, let me say something in the base Medrash that will be accepted. I don't, I don't want to be, Rashi says, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to be embarrassed, Shalom Avosh, I don't want to be embarrassed. So let me walk into the base Medrash, say something that everyone is going to accept. Okay, so what happened? Kisal, he comes to Eretz Yisrael. Ashkechil, Rabbi Yochon, Rabbi Hanina Bar Papi, Rabbi Zeira. He found Rabbi Yochon, Rabbi Hanina Bar Papi, Rabbi Zeira, Rabbi Rabbi Yavar, Rabbi Shimon Bar Papi, Rabbi Yitzchak, Nafcha. These Rabbanim were sitting, Vyasi Veka Amri. And they were clearing the following sugi. They were talking the following concept. Amai, they were talking about this Mishnah. Why does the Mishnah say, that if Rachel borrows water and salt from Leah to make her dough, then now the dough is limited to the overlapping tumin of Rachel and Leah, which will say essentially means that what? Leah, right, because of her water and salt, is what? A partner in the dough. Why? Why don't we say that the water and salt are bottle to the dough? As we'll say, you're right, there's, there's a mixture of things. But why don't we say water and salt are bottled to the dough? So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, so what happened? Rabbi Abba. So Rabbi Abba, remember again, Rabbi Abba is one who daven, let me say something that's going to be accepted. So Rabbi Abba said as follows. All right, now before you turn the page, I should look at the last Rashi. Amr Rabbi Abba, Omishum dechelka shalzum muat ba, yoveit shma milikros al isa. So I'll say, what Rabbi Abba is going to argue about is as follows. You guys are suggesting that because all Rachel has in the, in the, or Leah has in the dough is the water and salt. She has such a minute portion. Her minute portion should become bottled in the majority. Rabbi Abba says, I'm going to show you why that thinking is flawed. I'm going to Rabbi Abba. I'm going to base. We'll say, let's say, let's say I have 10 carbon of wheat. I have 10 carbon of wheat. And what happened? One cob of Ruvain's wheat gets mixed in with 10 cob of my wheat. Both say, is anyone going to say, is anyone going to say, well, sorry, Ruvain, you lost your wheat, you lost your wheat, you know, you have 10 cob, I have one cob, you have one cob, I have 10 cob, bottle barov, right? Your one cob is bottle in my 10 cob, and that's it. Would, would anyone say such a thing like that? Both say, of course not. 
Of course not. Now again, what, how I, what I have to return to Reuven and how I have to return it to him, do I have to give him a kav of wheat or do I just give him the financial value, whatever it is. But one thing is clear, which is what? Which is what? Reuven's portion is not what? It's not bottle. That's the point that Rabbi Abba is making. In other words, just because something is in a small proportion or ratio does not automatically result in its bittle. That's the point that he's making. So this, so, so again, therefore, again, Rabbi Abba wants to say, therefore, even though all Leah has in this dough is salt and water, halacha it's not bottle. It's what happened. Achiku We'll say, so all of the other Rabbanim in the base Medrash began to laugh at him. They laughed at Rabbi Abba. They said, that's, that's absolutely ridiculous. So what happens? Uh, so Amr Leh, so we'll say, we'll, we'll see ultimately again, we'll see exactly why they laughed at him. Amr Lehus, Rabbi Abba was very offended. He said, Did I take your clothing that you're laughing at me? In other words, he was very offended that they were laughing at him. Did I take your clothing that you're laughing at me? It didn't quite work out. They laughed at him even more. So I will say, so, so this, this story is, is actually quite, quite fascinating. So first of all, before we go on, let's just spend a moment. What, what's going on over here, right? In other words, what a str- the, the, the halachic exchange is fascinating, but the, but the actual story is, is bizarre. What is Rabbi, I understand what Rabbi Abba is davening for. I understand that piece. But at the end of the day, why are they laughing at him? And why does the Gemara record this story? In other words, even if Rabbi Abba said something that wasn't correct, the Gemara is filled with Rabbanim who, who you know, put forward ideas and is not correct. What's happening over here? So I want to share with you two incredible things. Two incredible things. The first is a Hassam Sofer. The Hassam Sofer quotes this concept. I saw this brought down in the Sefer, Daf al he, he, he quotes two different ideas. He quotes one in Shalas Tshuvas, Arachayim Simen Reish and one on Shas, is Chassam Sofer on Shas, the end of Perak Mashilin. I'm going to quote to you just the line from the end of Perak Mashilin. The Chassam Sofer says, this is dramatic. He says, Ach Musr Haskel Nishma Mizeh. He said, why? You see, when you read the story, when you read the story, what it sounds like is that Rabbi Abba is getting punished. In other words, he davened, let me say something that's going to be accepted. And not only was it not accepted, but what happened? He was made fun of. We'll say, right, right? In other words, they couldn't. It happens all the time. Now that that's that's ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense to laugh at someone. To laugh at someone. And by the way, when he expresses his frustration about being laughed at, to laugh at him again is a pretty dramatic thing. So says the Chassam Sofer. When you look at this story, it looks like Rabbi Abba is being punished. What is he being punished for? So the Chassam Sofer says something amazing. He says, "Sheyomar milsa de tiskabel." What was Rabbi Abba's mistake? Rabbi Abba's mistake was, says the Chassam Sofer, that he davened, let me say something that will be accepted by other people. Malo im yekabel imlo. Says the Chassam Sofer, why do you daven that other people should accept your opinion? Amar divarecha l'shem shamayim. When you speak words of Torah, when you speak in general in life, whatever you say should be truth. Should be truth. If people listen, if they don't listen, if they accept, if they don't accept, the goal in life is not acceptance, right? The goal in life is not to get others to follow my will. The goal in life is not to be right. The goal in life is to be true. So says the Hassam Sofer, Rabbi Abba, your daf, that's what you're doubting for? For people to go ahead and, for people to go ahead and, 
accept what you have to say? It's a shtickle gaiva. Who says they have to accept what you have to say? Your goal in life should be that when you learn Torah, it should be a pursuit of MS. And I both say, and therefore, again, he's laughed at because the tefillah, says the Hassam Sofer, was an inappropriate. And I both say, what a profound lesson on two levels. First of all, how we learn. How we learn. How we learn, why we learn. Why do we learn? I will say, why do we engage in the pursuit of Torah? Is it to be smarter than someone else? Is it to be able to tell someone else what to do? Is it to build a covenant? No, it's because it's the pursuit of MS. Isn't that what we want in life? I just want the truth. And even when I think I have the truth, often in life I don't really have the truth. Torah gives me clarity. And when I learn Torah, my goal is Kadush Baruch Hu. I'm running, I'm searching, I'm seeking MS. That's all I'm seeking in life. I'm seeking MS. That's lesson number one. Lesson number two I'm to say is, we spend so much time in life trying to be right. Trying to be right. You know, there's a beautiful Sasanis. The Sasanis says, you know the difference between children and adults? I've mentioned this before. It says, adults want to be right. Children are content with being happy. And he says, that's why a child goes ahead and gets upset. Child has a fundamental, little kids, fundamental meltdown. What do you do? What do you do? You give the kid uh, an ice cream, a candy bar. And what? Suddenly, ah, everything is fantastic. How does, how does that work? How does that work? Because children value being happy over being right. Adults, adults, you get into a machlokis with someone and that machlokis could go on for 20 years. You don't even know what you're arguing about anymore. Why? Because adults often value being right over being happy. The goal in life is not to be right. That's not the goal in life. And I will say, this is without getting into any contemporary, you know, you know, you know, societal commentary. This is, this is the machla now, right? It's not Corona that's the machla. It's the, this is the machla in the machla. Everyone has to be right. Every, everyone has to be right. I have to be right. And if there's someone who disagrees with me, that erodes my sense, I, I have to be right. Who says? Who says you have to be right? You have to be anestic in life. People listen to you, people don't listen to you. You are right, you're not right. Kodesh Baruch Hu is the one who decides what's right and what's wrong. Kodesh Baruch Hu decides MS. My job, ultimately, is to pursue MS, not to always try to be right. Maybe to learn a little bit from children and to value happiness, ultimately, over being right. Okay, and I'll tell you just one last thing. Well, say, so listen to this. There is a beautiful Divra Yoel, the Satmarav, and then we really have to go on. The Satmarav, the Satmarav says something amazing. The Satmarav said this over in Parshas Nassau before he took his first trip to Eretz Yisrael. So the Satmarav said, listen to this. He said, the Milsa, when Rabbi Abba says Milsa, right? I want to say a Milsa, a thing that's going to be accepted. What's the thing? So says the Satmarav, Miloshon Tfila Ubakasha. Milsa doesn't mean a dvar halacha like Rashi. Milsa means tefillah, prayer. So what was Rabbi Abadad? Rabbi said, get ready for this. Get ready for this. V'hinei Eretz Yisrael humakom ma'aver kol tefillos Yisrael michal mekomos moshvaseim sh'olim l'shamayim derech Eretz Yisrael. Says the Rebbe, quoting the Zohar, all the tefillos in the world go up through Eretz Yisrael. Wherever you daven, wherever you daven, Tfilos don't go straight up. I mean, they go straight up, 
but they go via Eretz Yisrael. I dive in here in Baltimore, my tilts go from Baltimore to Eretz Yisrael, and Eretz Yisrael, they ascend to Shamayim. Good. He says, over And in Eretz Yisrael, all of the Tilos ascend by way of the area of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Rabbi So often I daven in Chutz La'aretz. And I'm not always sure if my tefillos have the requisite kavana to make it to Eretz Yisrael. But now I'm going to Eretz Yisrael. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu give me the strength to daven a proper tefillah. Eima milsa de tiskabel. I'm to daven a tefillah that is going to finally be accepted. Because it doesn't have to travel from Babel to Eretz Yisrael. Rather what? It just goes straight up. So it says the Sakharov, and it was, he said this right before he went to Eretz Yisrael, that every day when we daven, every day when we daven, our tefillos go through Eretz Yisrael, which I will say is such an incredible nechama, because especially for those of us who have been locked out, actually locked out of Eretz Yisrael for such a long time, it creates not even an existential pain, but an actual physical pain. But at least I know that every single time I daven, every single time I daven, there's a piece of me, a piece of me through my tefillah that journeys through Eretz Yisrael up through the Kodesh HaKadoshim to the Ribbon HaShalom. Now, the Sadler doesn't explain the end of the story, right? That, 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 that part is not explained. But again, a Rebbe doesn't have to explain the whole thing, right? A Rebbe just explains what he wants to explain and the Hasidim are Mikabal. And if you don't appreciate that, then you're a misnagid. Okay, so the Gemara goes later. So Rabbi Oshia said, no, they were right for, for laughing at Rabbi Abba. So listen to this. Why, why did Rabbi Abba bring up a case of one cob of my friend's wheat that falls into 10 cob of my wheat? We'll say to, 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 to go ahead and kind of transition for a moment into an area, another area of halacha, Hilchos Tarovas. In the laws of mixtures, as well as in Hulin, there are two different types of mixtures. There's min bemino, min besheinomino. Like mixtures, unlike mixtures. There's a machlokes if min bemino is bottle. There's a machlokes if that works. Min besheinomino, two unlike, dissimilar items. There's a much easier derech to say that it's bottle. Why did Rabbi Abba set up the case of like items that got mixed together? Why doesn't he go ahead and bring up a case of chitin besheorin? That would have been such a better case. Bring up a case of one cob of barley that falls into ten carbon of wheat. To which the Gemara says, Okay, even though min bemino might not be bottle contributor, but right, Rabbi Huda is the opinion, we're going to quote him a couple of times, is the opinion who holds min bemino ain't a bottle. Like items are not bottle in each other. But the Rabbanon do hold that they are. Onura Safra, Moshe. Now Moshe means by Moshe, by the life of Moshe Rabbeinu. Shapir Ka'amrit, are you really saying good? Right? Are you really saying at the end of the day that they did the right thing by laughing at Rabbi Abba? He's not asking from like a Midos perspective. He's asking from a Halachic perspective. This is a fascinating case. Listen to this. This is fascinating. When you sold wheat, let's say I'm a, I'm a wheat salesman, a wheat merchant. It is understood that when you purchase wheat, 
there's some amount of impurities mixed into that wheat. Right? That's, that's understood. That's understood. So they will say, watch this. I'm selling, I'm selling a cob of wheat to Ruvain. Okay? So what happens? I have a very well-meaning friend. And what does my well-meaning friend know? Oh, he knows Silber is selling a cob of wheat to Ruvain. What does he do? He picks out all of the impurities from the wheat. So we'll say, what's that in that case? Chayiv l'shalim lo demechitim. The, my well-meaning friend, we'll call him Shimon, is chayiv to pay me. Because why? Because as a result of his removal of the impurities, what's happened? What's happened? I now have to give Ruvain more wheat. He's causing that. So we'll say, in other words, it's accepted transactionally that when you purchase wheat, when you purchase a cob of wheat, everyone knows that what? What are you not getting? What are you not getting? A complete kav. You're getting a complete kav. But included in that kav ultimately are impurities. Now Shimon thinks he's a big tzaddik and he's removing all the impurities. That's great. You're a big tzaddik. Be a big tzaddik on your own dime. Right? He owes me now for the extra amount of wheat that I now have to go ahead and give to Reuven. say, what do you see from that? Alma, Now think about this in just a moment. Those impurities by themselves, are they worth anything? Are they worth anything? No. But clearly, clearly, they do generate a... They, they, they are real, and ultimately, they're part of the mixture. I will say, now, why is he bringing this up? Because remember, what are we trying to say? We're trying to suggest that water and salt should be bottled to the dough. All the Gemara is trying to show over here, what Rav Safa is trying to point out, is Rabbi Abba is not so wrong. In other words, even something very insignificant, ultimately, again, is not necessarily bottled in the mixture. So to over here by the dough, by the dough, even though Leia is only contributing water and salt and Rachel contributes the dominant amount, Leia's minimal contribution is not bottle. Okay, but there's also a difference, again, between what we call which means money that has someone who's claiming it and money that has no one who's claiming it. So I will say, Rashi points out over here, so if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Remember again, in the Mishnah, in the Mishnah, Leah is lending the water and salt, and she's giving it. She's giving, in other words, she's not retaining an ownership interest in it. So she's essentially relinquishing ownership of it. So why wouldn't her water and salt be bottle, as opposed to some of these other cases where someone is still retaining an ownership interest, to which the Gemara says, that which Rav Chista said, we'll, do, we'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up, don't, by the way, don't worry, the last half, which is Sunday, is only in Ahmed Aleph. So we have, uh, we have plenty, plenty of time, we'll pick up over here with this case. So just to understand what we're leaving off with. We're leaving off, trying to figure out why Mishnah said that Rachel borrows water and salt to make her dough. When they make the dough on Yom Tiv, the dough has only the overlapping tchumen of both of them. What we're trying to figure out is why is that? After all, at the end of the day, why don't we say that the water and salt should be bottled to the dough? Emirat Hashem to be continued tomorrow. Shkoyach.